we are back on louder live today we're gonna be uh having a session with faiza ramuni i think i said it right um on instagram on facebook known as expired and fabulous she's surely fabulous um and hilarious but also very deep and a person who truly um can get into um topics that we all want to hear especially here in the arab world so let's get in faiza in three two one faiza <laughs> how are you i'm great it's so good to have you here so nice to be here. I'm excited. I'm so excited to get into this conversation. It is a very timely time to do this. So thank you. Thank you for being with us. Um, we know that times in Chicago right now are not so great, um, but we're so privileged to have you on to talk about many different things today and diving deep and loud into your inner thoughts and many questions that few people have for you and myself have for you. Thank you. Okay, so we're gonna dive in deep, straight, straight up. Um, let's do it. Uh, I think we're experiencing a bit of sound issues. So I guess when I'm speaking, I, I'm, I'm, I don't know how it's receiving to the other side, but let's see. So Faiza, what does it mean to live your truth? It means being willing to be the, the bad guy, the bad one, the bad kid, the rebel, the outcast. It means, it means being okay, not being accepted, you know, not being accepted at the core of what it is. That's what it is. The acceptance that you will not always be liked, that you will not always be understood. Um, but you have to stand in your truth. You know, that's what it is. I love that. I love that you, you said, you got to be the, the the bad guy and to to accept that that's so true and and when did you decide to live your truth what was your turning point my turning point was almost forced in a sense i i feel like an, i feel like i was always looking for truth you know i was always asking questions um and it came down to after my first ever relationship had ended and uh, my ex had put my reputation out there and the community had in a sense ostracized me and they didn't say you know get out they weren't like get the fuck out of here it was actions actions you know spoke much louder than words the gossip the reputation destroying um it put me in a position where i had one choice do you either lay down and you deal with this or you speak up and speaking up was the only thing that I, I could do. It was the only way that I felt I could be heard. And I needed to know I wasn't alone. So that journey started for me out of necessity. You know, mm -hmm. I didn't, I don't know if I would have been able to really live my truth had I not fallen as hard as I did. So my truth came because it was forced to come. And I think that that's what happens when you're pushed to a limit, when you push to a degree where you enough is enough, you know? 100%. And did you feel um, any sort of, did, did the change of, of it, sorry, did you feel discomfort when you were going through that change from transitioning? And, and how, how did you deal with that discomfort and change? Absolutely. On every level, in every way, to every degree. Um, but you have to understand that every journey is a moment for you to look at yourself. 
you have to. It's a constant evaluation of yourself and the people around you. Sometimes your family, not just your community, it's your family, it's the people you call your friends. Um, it's a constant evaluation of your world, you know, and the people around you. So it's, I have to find myself being okay, not being okay. You know, having days where I, I was, things were not okay. And there were days where I was very broken and there were days where I was very sad and felt very hopeless and felt very just confused and conflicted. And I had to accept that, that, that the good emotions came as much as the bad ones. And you had to feel through both of them to find yourself. Um, that's what I had to do, constantly evaluate me, find me throughout it, ask the right questions. And, and what were your biggest fears or challenges going through that? Oh, the, the culture, the community, the faith, uh, the people within it. Um, and I don't, I say the faith in the sense of not, not in any way, shape or form tagging the Muslims with, with the faith, you know, Islam is perfect. Muslims are not. And I think that I found myself extremely conflicted, um, and constantly battling ups and downs, whether what I was doing was right or wrong because of my, the cultural aspect of it, the, um, the part of the community, uh, it was very loud because they're out to discredit you as a, as a woman, uh, make you immoral, indecent. I mean, they attack you where it hurts and its reputation. So that was very hard to find, have every day new things being talked about you. So many untruths said, and there's nothing that you can do because they're just so loud. So you almost find yourself accepting that people are going to talk and people are going to say what they're going to say and they're going to want to do this and at, their goals are very different. You have to stay focused on your own. It's not easy, girl. It's not fucking easy. And I say this to clients all the time because sometimes people will get on a call and they're like, okay, let's do this. Let's fix everything today. It's like, bitch, this is not going to happen. Uh, it's a one-time call. That's not going to happen. You have to, this is a process. It's a daily, every single day you have to be working on yourself and the voices will be loud. You just, you got to be louder internally with yourself. You 100%. I agree with you. And did you experience some sort of anxiety going through that journey? And how did you deal with that? Absolutely. When I went through my journey, I was, um, for those who don't know, I ended up suffering like a nervous breakdown. Like I just was too loud. I couldn't take it. I ended up suffering a nervous breakdown, being hospitalized, diagnosed with PTSD, depression, and anxiety disorder. And it was very loud. I was facing a lot of internal and mental struggles. And so the anxiety was very high because it was on so many different, you know, in so many different areas of my life and finding the triggers are what saved me in many ways. Getting help, of course, getting help. You got to get help. In our culture, we don't even talk about mental illness. It's like it doesn't even exist. It's like, well, if you're feeling that way, just turn to Allah. It's like, yeah, okay, well, that's why he made mental health facilities so we can turn to other people to get some help, right? Okay, you know, so I understand <laughs> that you know, mental illness is very, it's very real in our communities. And I think that what I did is I stopped running from that, right? Running from, oh, this is not true. It's not there. We really, it's our faith. Just pray two more rakats, you'll be fine. It's like, nope, just, I feel the same. Nothing's changing. <laughs> so it's, I stopped running. I started looking. I had no choice. I had to look, I'm like, I'm feeling this. What do I do? So I sought help, uh, professional help. And then afterwards I, I had to do it on my own. I had to ask myself the questions and not allow the outside voices to fucking come in and distract too much because they will that's what they're there for 
hundred percent. And when you say you you looked for help, can you talk to us about that journey of help that you got? Uh, what kind of help helped you uh, in your mental illness? I took, well, I was, as I said, I was hospitalized. So when I was, um, girl, I did not have, it was, it was, a, it was not something I expected to happen in the first place. I mean, it was, everything happened so quickly. Um, I found myself very desperate. So I was actually, I had to sign myself into the hospital and cause I didn't want obviously the court to do it and go through all that journey because it would be much harder to get out at that point. Um, so I signed myself willingly in, and that, that's the part where, you know, I was kind of, I had help available, you know what I mean? So it's not like, I, I don't know if I would have sought it myself, but I'm a high encourager of go because, um, you know, it was given to me by the sense that I, you know, I, I did go see my therapist and there was a moment that she recognized I needed help. And so she made that decision for me. So you got to help yourself. You know, you got to put yourself in a position to get help. Um, you recognize that what you're feeling is not, it's not, if you ever get to a point you feel just helpless, you got to get help. So I did, I did get help. I was on medication for quite some time. And then I lost my, as I said, I didn't have insurance. So I couldn't even get medication afterwards. I was in a position where I, I was dealing with deep anxiety, PTSD, um, severe depression, and I had no access to any sort of medicine, no help, nothing. And that's the moment where I, I turned to God. I turned spiritually and I really did. I turned deep and I asked Allah, I surrendered myself. I said, I've surrendered myself at a moment where I lost everything. I had surrendered myself to, I, I have to lose control. I to let go of trying to control whatever's happening in my life whatever i'm feeling i'm trying to control this i have to let go i can't control this i have to surrender right now and i did and then surrendering i can't explain it other than i found a strength that um until today drives me you know so yes he, we got to get comfortable with the g word that there is a spiritual power out there that if we surrender ourselves to it holds a very great extreme um sorry just not repetitive again but power within all of us to do great things so yes that's what helped me through that's beautiful and i truly resonate with that the g word is a big one <laughs> <laughs> it is yes so so after going through that journey and finding yourself on the other side um what does happiness mean to you today? And and how can how do you continue to achieve it? Imperfection. That's happiness. Happiness is understanding that life is not perfect. You know, we're not perfect. We're not meant to look perfect. We're not meant to be perfect. We are we are flawed beings. The acceptance of that opens us up to a whole new world. Okay. To the uh, I'm imperfect. I am learning every day. Even through the current climate that the world is in right now, I'm learning every single day. You know, I'm willing to do that. I'm willing to understand I don't have all the answers. I I don't have to look a certain way. I don't if, if I'm okay with it, it shouldn't fucking matter to anybody else. I'm the one walking around with my face, with my body, with my fucking ass and stuff. It's my it's me. So and the acceptance that I don't care to be what other people consider to be perfect. I'm I'm imperfectly perfect and happy that way. So that's why I found strength. And how do you, how, what do you, what does happiness mean to you today? Well, happiness is the acceptance of that. The happiness is the acceptance of just living vicariously through yourself, you know, not through other people, 
you know, not through some other people's experiences. Oh, I'm going to live vicariously through that person's relationship and that living vicariously through yourself. So it's accepting yourself the way you are, the way you come and to continue learn through That's your being unflawed and being happy as you. Happiness is, people want to find this big dissection to what happiness is, but what is it? And where does it go? And how do we find it? And what direction do we look for it? Well, here, this is where you look for it. The acceptance of yourself. The moment that you say, okay, well, I'm not trying to feed societies. And happiness is that, the acceptance that you are you, period. There is no, you don't need to explain it. You know, people, those who like you will be in your life. Those that don't, don't. The mission that you do is all in pursuit of yourself. Happiness is that, being you, being unflawed and being happy with that. Because we live in a world that tells you you have to be something that you are not and you don't have to be. You can be your own fucking self. That's happiness. Being you, being you, all of you. No, no excuses, no justifying. Well, I, let me explain why. Nobody gives a shit. You don't like me? Move along. I'm not harming anybody. I'm not bringing any discomfort into your life. Not draining your bank account. Who gives a shit? Go along, you know? That's happiness. Giving a fuck, really, just being you. Yeah, and and it's. I feel it also adds to uh, appreciating the little things in life, um, resonating to the little things in life. Yes. Well, here's the thing. I feel like the that my answer has a trick, like sort of kind of a, like a trickle effect in the sense that you are a happier, better, more, you know, empathetic human being when you are happy with yourself. You know, so happiness is with yourself. You have to find it here and accept every bit of you. Your ugly past, maybe your present, and wash it away to a better future to find and love yourself. That's how, of course, it has a ripple effect to how we treat other people and how we treat the world, animals, the environment, everything. So happiness is simplistic. It's, it's loving yourself. That's what happiness is. Loving you and being okay with you as you are through your journey of life, you know? I hear you. Um, Rawan Hamoud is asking, just bef before we move along, how do you deal with stress? By dealing with it. <laughs> By you cannot, um, and we talked about this earlier, kind of like running, that I spent so much of my life running from my problems and running from the, the emotions that I was facing, um, which is that you got to deal with it. The stresses that you're facing, um, some of it can feel overwhelming. And I think that rather what we do is with the overwhelmingness, when it gets too overwhelming is the moment where, well, how can I de-stress at this moment? I think first feel, feel your emotions. And number two, find ways that you feel empowered. The reason that we feel stress is because we feel that we've lost our power in a situation, whether we've lost our voice, we've lost our ability to feel we're getting in direction of our life, the career we want to pursue, whatever it might be. Um, we The stresses are based because we think we've lost our power. So find something you feel empowered with at that moment. Put on a piece of music that you can dance to in your room. You can't dance because you're sharing a room with your sister or your sisters. Fucking go to the closet or go outside or go for a walk. Do something to find yourself completely in power with you. Um, something that makes you feel light, makes you feel like, I'm always for fresh air. Get the fuck out, go for a walk. Um, yeah. you know, air helps us more than we think. We are so glued to this that we don't even get the fuck out of the house. So getting out to de-stress, um, find ways to feel empowered. And moving on with our uh, conversation. You mentioned something around happiness and accepting yourself brings you to be more empathetic with yourself, with the world, with people, 
and so on. What does empathy mean to you and how can people... First, what does empathy mean to you and how do you practice it? Oh, empathy to me is connection. Um, empathy is the ability to understand that you may not always get it and you may not have been able to experience something, but you are willing to listen, you know? Empathy is the willingness to listen uh, to all sides. And um, before you even make a decision to listen to people um, with an open ear, I practice that every day in my job as a relationship advisor. I, I say this all the time. I say this all the time. I have a job simply for listening. I've spent my whole life willing to listen. I have done this for 12 years now. And it's started by my ability to just sit and you want to talk? Sure. What's wrong? What's going on? You want me to call a piece of shit for you? Sure. Anything to make someone know they're not alone. You know, I've always been that person. And in doing so, look, I created a career for myself simply to just listen. So that is what empathy is, the ability to connect with someone else. Even if you can't necessarily get it, you see them and you let them know they're not alone and they're heard and seen. I feel I feel you and I also believe empathy is really putting yourself in someone else's shoes even when you don't agree with them even when you don't understand what they're going through but and 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 you know that maybe what they're going through is maybe pathetic in your perspective or they can simply get over it but in being empathetic is understanding that this is their perception and you got to accept it and put yourself in their shoes and feel maybe their pain um, somehow. Um, I think, yeah, and I think that resonates with what's happening today, for example, uh, in the world, on your side, especially right now. Can you talk to us more about that and how you feel uh, about what's going on today? I love what you just said. I, I, I just want to like fucking give you a virtual like push because that's how I just like show my... <laughs> about something I that it's very true it's it's as I said looking at somebody listening the simple art of listening um, no judgment uh, and I think that that's even it resonates to the current climate um, you know it, listen listen to what's going on and really see you know um, so many people who tell me that they'll say things uh, like you know well all lives matter and Arabs are going through th things in this country too and the systemic racism that exists in America today is it is directly towards blacks and it is something that we need to stop running from and we need to use this opportunity to look at it and to really stop running let's let's face the reality change comes when we are willing enough to look at the problem and we can't run from the problem uh, empathy means sitting to listen to people and to hear what is going on in order to change it to understand that we just because you haven't experienced it doesn't mean it doesn't exist you know, I think that that's oftentimes the problem. And that happens even within our communities because Samira and Sofian didn't go through it while nobody did. It's like, who the fuck is talking? Why are your experience the encompass of this entire experience? You know, so I think that, you know, people who just, we need to understand this is happening. And um, it's, it's, it needs to end. And we, the way that we end it is by talking about it and understanding, being aware it exists and talking about how to change it. It's a, it's a very scary time. And I will say, um, if the world is smart, they're paying attention. And they're paying attention that um, this is what happens when people say enough is enough. Enough of injustice, enough of being treated a certain way. This, uh, it's, it's a time for more empathy and we can learn this. We can learn this. We really can. We can teach ourselves to learn empathy again. I think it's also very important to 
I highlight that when we say Black Lives Matter, like you said, it does not mean that other lives don't matter. It just means that the focus today or just today or in this minute is about this certain situation. I think it's also important to highlight that uh, the bridge between both worlds, where you are today and where I am today, um, I think there should also be empathy um, there because I don't think that we feel the way you're feeling today, uh, despite the social media and all of these things, because we don't see it or witness it firsthand. And you don't feel what we feel on the other side that we go through every day um, with a lot of the wars that happen here or our families being taken through these things, these experiences. I think empathy should be a, um, heightened there as well from both of these worlds. I don't feel there's a lot of conversation towards that matter. I think that, you know, the world, way the world is today is, as I said, empathy. We need empathy for everyone. We need to see the injustice in the world happening worldwide. Um, this should be a, as I said, a wake-up call for what happens when people have had enough. You know, that is what it needs to be. It needs to be a wake-up call that um, if we don't make changes and address the things that are happening now, because, because let's talk about even the racism that is happening here in the United States, it has a trickle effect in the Middle East as well. If we want to call a spade a spade, it's out there too. And there's a lot of things in our culture that we need to racially fix as well. So this is a this is a problem that is in, yes, within the United States, but it does have a ripple effect out there. Um, it does not take away the wars and injustices done, but it is, we need to make change and to say that we need to it's not about prioritizing what change is more important but this is something that is affecting um our country and we do need to absolutely focus on it. and i think as i said other countries need to pay attention because this is not a this is not exclusively here you know it's not yes this country in many ways is founded on racism but this is, has a ripple effect to the greater world as well so i think that yes of course and these things are awful and it needs to change but um, we do need to start facing the, the realities of what's happening within our world and how it can have what's happening here can have a ripple effect if it's not treated elsewhere. How can people become more empathetic or more compassionate uh, towards others, especially others who they never have uh, connected with, let's say, someone from this side of the world has grown up here, lived here and never left to the other side of the world. The communication is not the same. I'm someone who was born and raised in Montreal, um, lived in for 10 years, 11 years, lived in Riyadh, Saudi Arabia for another 10 years, then moved to Dubai for another. I can see the difference in communication and there's a difference of understanding each other. Um, and I can see that someone who's lived here all their life might, might have a difficulty Ha might have difficulty understanding someone else that has lived all their life in the States or Canada or wherever. How do you think someone like that can develop uh, the skill of empathy and compassion when they have no idea? I love this question. Uh, connection, as I said, finding ways to connect. There are a lot of things that connect us. Um, there are a lot of struggles that, that, we, that connect us on a human level. You know, one of the many things I try to do through my work, especially through my comedy, was to show people that the issues that we face across this cultural, you know, it doesn't matter what color your skin is, doesn't matter what culture you come from, doesn't matter if we are all connected through our search for identity and understanding. 
Um, so I think that there are a lot more things that connect us. And if we talk more about those things, we will find more ways to, yes, work on our empathy, to see one another, to not dismiss one another's experiences. That is what is, I think is what disables change so much that so many people want to come in like they know it all. And that's not happening. I've never seen that. That doesn't exist. Not true here. It's different there. It's different but it's real for everybody in where they're at. We have to listen to each other. If we dismiss people's experiences, then we haven't, we've eliminated the ability to have the freedom of a voice, to be heard. Um, it's hard to raise your voice. And when people do it, we need to listen, uh, not with judgment, not with criticism, not with a solution just yet. Fucking shut the fuck up and listen. <laughs> you know how many times, do you know how many times I will get on a call and I'll be like, listen, to a client, if you need me just to shut the fuck up and not come in, because many times in a session, I'm like, well, what happened here? And what happened there? Why did they say this? Why did they say that? Because I'm always asking questions, dissecting a situation now, because that's how I understand it more, right? Um, and sometimes I'm like, hey, if you want me to shut the fuck up and listen, I will. And they will say, Thaisa, just shut up and just listen. I'm like, okay, done. And that is what we do. We will sit and listen. Because some people just want to be heard. You know, they just want to be heard without you fix it right now, or to have an opinion on it. Just shut up and listen. So we can work on our empathy by listening and finding ways in listening to connect, that there are greater things that connect us as, as a human race than anything. You know, it's it, we have to find those things. I agree with you. I really think that our human connection is in, like you said, finding our identity and 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 speaking louder and being more vulnerable um, and raw and true to ourselves. Um, before we continue, um, there's two questions I'd like to go through. Um, Carla Saad is asking, is your mom, is your mom character derived from your mom's actual behavior or funny scenarios that mm, you made up? Um, definitely from my aunt and my dad, um, the both. And at the time when I was, gosh, it's so funny how it grew into what it is today. Um, because it really came out of necessity. I couldn't draw on a beard to make my dad. And I was like, cause my eczema, I have very, very bad eczema. It constantly flares up my makeup on my face. So it came out of necessity. I do my two on my face. Girl, all over my chin and everything. Oh it would aggravate as you would probably understand. So I would actually, the mother's character came out of necessity that I needed that. And then actually I recently tried to transition it to an aunt so that people could just understand more of who it's supposed to be. But no, my mom is not that marriage obsessed. <laughs> <laughs> not more about like, you know, if when you find the person, find the person. If you don't sit home, just at least learn how to fucking cook. My mom is disgusted that I <laughs> I'm awful. I'm the worst. See, this is why she's not married. Like, you know. <laughs> like, like this is what makes you or breaks you. <laughs> One more, another question. Um, how do you, by Nadia, how do you deal with clients who find themselves in repetitive patterns, but, but they have the will to evolve? Oh, that I, I, I let them evolve. I never step in the way. Ah, have I stepped in the way? Maybe sometimes I've been a little bit like, don't do it, stupid, what's wrong with you? You know, but uh, 
still, oh gosh, clients know this. I will let them go on their journey. They never have to apologize um, because it's all about a journey. We go through our journey. Many times people find themselves in patterns. What I do try to do is through the patterns, stop them and let them focus on, do you realize how this is becoming something you're familiar with? Why? And I, I force them to ask themselves the questions that are deeper to get themselves the answers to possibly make better decisions. So, but I, I never like, like gold anybody for making their journey. Go through your journey, but be aware, be aware. Learn from lessons. Otherwise, what lets them, everything at that point is just a big waste of fucking time. Just going through things without learning something from it. You gotta learn from your, from your experiences. So do you believe that in to break a pattern, you must evaluate um, since since they're calling you, that means they know they have a pattern, pattern, right? So to break that pattern, that means they need to evaluate step by step what that pattern is to break it. Or is there another way? Correction. Uh, not everybody is aware they have a pattern. Um, I think that sometimes they, they realize that as we start talking, um, I, I could talk to somebody in one call and know whether or not they're a creature of some sort of pattern in their past. Um, because it's about the questions you ask. I think that's why I push them. Ask yourself the questions. When you're in a situation, for example, where a guy is, guys constantly flake on you or they just ghost you after a while. Um, they never really make an effort to meet. They never really make an effort. To, it's a moment where you have to ask yourself, why are you constantly in a pattern of finding yourself connected to or attracted to guys who aren't investing as much as you're investing in it? And it usually goes back to a very broken relationship um, within the family home primarily with a daughter and her father, which is the most important relationship a daughter will ever have in her life. It's the defining relationship. And um, also the relationship with just your parents, your upbringing, um, patterns. Our upbringing conditions us to believe certain things. That's where they're formed. So yes, no, um, sometimes they don't know they have a pattern, but when they're aware of it, that's when the greatest change happens. Yes, absolutely. It's a beautiful evolution when you finally figure out your pattern and then finally figuring out how to break it. That is the highlight of my happiness. <laughs> I love that. I love that. Um, so Faiza, what are the milestones you have celebrated in your life? Not enough, I will say. Um, I, for the longest time, I didn't celebrate certain milestones. And I really, I guess in a sense, what are milestones? Um, milestones in what we are told to celebrate are like what graduations, um, when you get married, when you've got a home, you graduate from college, you have a kid, you buy your first house, you know? Um, I don't really know what the milestones I should have necessarily celebrated, but I think that for me, milestones are moments where I should have celebrated myself more, like where I achieved something. Um, I never really celebrated myself for how, you know, how far I came from the hardship I went through. I've, I'm only doing that now. So I think that one of the things I didn't do was I didn't celebrate my growth enough. I didn't, I would, didn't share enough of the hardships I was sharing, I was going through because I didn't want to be vulnerable. I did a disservice because it, it allows people to see how you grow. And um, that to me is a milestone when you can look at yourself in the mirror and you don't, it's a different person. You know, those milestones I should have celebrated more, but I do it now. I do it now. That's beautiful. I really like the fact that you stated that first, like the things we should celebrate. But yeah, no, I'm not talking about those things because clearly there's a rebel in Faiza and these are not your milestones. <laughs> 
<laughs> Definitely not my milestones. I mean, here's the thing. Will it ever be? I mean, I don't know. I don't know what the future holds. None of us do. But currently, my milestones are my growth. Like through this quarantine, through this current situation with the murder of George Floyd. It's and the, you know, civil what's happening here in uh, America. It's it's a moment you look at yourself. And then I'm a proud of like, I'm proud that I'm humble enough that I can see my growth. That to me, those are milestones, soul growth, diving deep. Yes. And um Wow, it just slipped my mind. I had a question for you there. Every single day for me. Allah. <laughs> God knows what that was for. <laughs> so Faiza, uh, oh yeah, that's what it was. Maybe that's why I forgot it. I'm not sure you want to talk about it, but um, do you want to talk to us about vulnerability? Oh yeah, let's talk about what do you want to know about vulnerability? Wait, just finish your lipstick. It's sexy. You know, <laughs> like this, you know? Very. Good angle, you know? <laughs> <laughs> uh, what, you, what about vulnerability? Uh, vulnerability? Is it how hard it is? Because shit, it's hard. Um, what exactly is it about vulnerability you want to know? Your journey with vulnerability. Um, how My important journey. is it? did you find in your journey it is of the utmost importance okay vulnerability is of the utmost importance it is the only way we even can form empathy our ability to be vulnerable to share the not so pretty sides of us the not so pretty feelings the feelings that may make us feel uncomfortable um it's it has it is very important i vulnerabilities is what is what put me in the position i am on social media I mean, if it were not for my vulnerability and sharing my story with the world, would I, I wouldn't be in the position I'm in today. Um, I think that the ability to share our stories connects us. That is the reason that it's important. I myself lost that many times um, because I became, I don't know, ashamed, embarrassed. You don't want to share certain things. You don't want, you get afraid of sharing certain parts of you for people to judge or criticize and um i think that that's where it comes the i don't give a fuck attitude can't give a shit people are gonna have opinions put it out there though put yourself out there because someone needs you you may not know it but somebody out there fucking needs you to share that vulnerability i'm i'm proof of that i'm a validation of that that 388,000 people needed that vulnerability so yeah um it's about vulnerability is very important and we got to do it with ourselves that's so beautiful. How did you how did you manage to um, deal with people's hate comments and just overall judgment when you began being vulnerable on social media, considering the fact that you were going through uh, anxiety and PTSD before, so that could be a huge trigger. So. Yeah. It was, it was very hard at times. Um, I found myself many times with anxiety acts. Just, it was, it was very difficult. I'm not going to paint it that it was an easy struggle. I'm not going to say that it was something that, oh, well, you know what? I just did this and it just changed. It was amazing. You know, it's like, no shit, that, that did not happen. It was a struggle. It was a daily struggle. What changed it was being my triggers. All right, understanding what my triggers were. Uh, my triggers, a lot of my triggers were stemmed from the community the opinion that people 
ahead of me. So um, I had to look at that. What, what was really bothering me here? And it was my constant need for validation from them. Um, and the reason I say this is because it, I think it kind of just reiterates what I constantly say about asking yourself the question. Be unafraid to ask yourself those questions. I had to become what I needed in someone. I didn't have a me at this time. I needed a me. I had to become that person. So I had to constantly be asking myself, look in the mirror. What's wrong? What are you feeling? Why are you feeling this? What's happening? What are you, is this real? What's real? What's not? Because, you know, when you have anxiety, everything's amplified and everything, the most unrealistic things become very possible and very real. And it's like, you know, that shit's probably not going to happen, but your mind has made it very real. So what I did was I channeled the anger I had into wanting to do something with it. So I think it's about, you know, when if you're, you know, when it comes down to how do you handle all of that and the hatred people can spew because, oh my God. And let me tell you with Arabs, because Arabs never fucking stop talking and everybody just, there's 10 million comments, you know, one Samira can come up with 3 million accounts she has and she's posting comment after comments like, don't you have a job, honey? Um, so yes, it could be very difficult to hear that and they come loud and they come really, you know, just very amplified with their message, but you have to know you enough. You gotta be willing to know you enough to say, all right, but that's not true. Okay. But that's not, I don't feel that. Well. Um, look deep, ask yourself the questions. Don't make their thoughts, your thoughts. Don't make their, their beliefs, yours. How many times have people called me? I don't want to say, I think you already know what the S word I'm thinking about, but I can't say it cause I don't want you to have any problem over there. Um, but it starts with a sh and ends with a t. Say it, say it. <laughs> <laughs> You know, like if somebody calls you a Sharmut online, people are suddenly like, goodness, it's so awful. Oh my God. It's like, now I'm like, shit, I don't give a fuck. Okay. What's the problem? Okay, Steven. You know, it's like, you just got to understand that everyone's going to have an opinion. And I feel like I'm going in a really long tangent here to say the thing that's really bottom line, but you just, everyone's going to have an opinion and you have to know you enough to be okay with saying, okay, who cares? Read the comments on my post. Read how many things people say doesn't bother me. I'm still going. I'm still posting. Doesn't bother affect me in any way, shape or form because I know me. I know what I'm trying to do. I know what my message is. I know what I'm trying to say and what I want to change. And the people who see it, see it. And the ones who don't, don't. And I'm okay with either one. That's beautiful. It really takes a lot of courage to, to get there, to get to that certain, certain point, especially through the journey you've gone through. Yeah, it does. It does. But everybody can do it. That's what I think is I'm not, you know, so many times people say, oh, well, they'll draw me as like a superhero or some shit. And it's so flattering and thank you. But I'm not a superhero. I didn't. There's nothing superhero about my superpower is my ability to be myself. That's everybody's superpower. You have it. Everybody on here has it. Everybody that'll watch this has it. It's about your fearlessness to just do it, to just be you and say, I don't give a shit. You think that I don't give a fuck. Suck a dick. You know, Sorry. <laughs> sorry. <laughs> well, I tried. I'm sorry. That's, you can, it's okay. Don't apologize. apologize. Don't apologize. We got you. <laughs> Done, you know? <laughs> Who cares? Oh, well. Boring already. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. I love you. All right. So, um, talk to us about, so wait, do you question your sanity ever? Um, uh, no, 
not anymore. I, I mean, so many people have questioned my sanity. I mean, I've been a musician the longest time. I don't really know, but I, I'm okay with that though. Hey, listen, it's the people that you think are crazy are the ones that actually have their shit together. So let me tell you, I'm okay with whatever people think is crazy because it just means that I'm seeing on a level that scares them and I'm okay with that, so. Do you have uh, any challenges today trying to get to your um, dream or purpose? Oh, my own internal, you know, struggles in the sense that, you know, everything, I only started living my life as me when I was 31 years old, okay? I'm, I'm, I'm 35. I know I look great, everyone, you know, everyone smile, you know, um, but I'm 35. I've only really lived as myself for a few years now. It hasn't been a long journey um, in the sense of being me and living authentically as myself. So I still have my cultural issues I deal with. I'm very involved in the community because shit, um, most of my clients are Muzrab um, here in the States and overseas. So uh, that is the predominance of my clientele. So I find myself very conflicted knowing that we, you talked about it earlier, the differences on how things are treated there versus here. Um, there's a lot of things that connect our struggle, but there are a lot of very different, different aspects and layers to it that are very different. So, um, it's more of that. I do find myself always wanting to make sure that I stand in the right, that I am standing for those who are not spoken and making sure to always do it in a way that gets the message across. Do you know what I mean? So that that is something I do. It's not a struggle, but it is something I'm constantly cognizant of. I want to talk about something um, very sensitive, especially in the in the Muslim Arab community. Um, what is the advice you can give or do you have clients uh, from the LGBTQ community and what is the, the, the confusion there? Uh, where do you stand? How do you uh, tackle it um, in, the, in the community and for re religion? You are, I commend you for being someone to ask this question because it needs to be asked more often. Um, I have many clients in the LGBTQ plus community and the first struggle they face is not feeling Muslim. You know, they don't, they don't identify as a Muslim anymore. And that is because people see them as they're, that they're not. And one of the first things I, I will always do is remind them that they are Muslim. And that I, I highly support the LGBTQ plus community, uh, Muslim or not. And I think that, you know, being Muslim, not in any way, shape or form, a detachment from, from who you, what you identify as. Um, what we identify as, who we identify as. I believe that God makes no mistakes. I believe that in order for us to think that there's something wrong with the LGBTQ plus community, we would have to question God and how God creates people because what the problem is, is people think it's a choice. They've chosen to be this way. So it's a choice where you can change your decision. That's not true. That's not true. I've spoken to a great many people who would very much argue this. Um, people, what you identify as, whether that's you see that now or later on is what you identify as. And I think that we need to have more support and remind our Muslim brothers and sisters from the LGBTQ plus community that they are still Muslim and they are wanted and they are heard and they are seen and they are valued. And I would much rather them fucking be in the faith than to leave it and hold resentment for people who don't really know how to properly preach it. So. That's my opinion on the LGBTQ plus community. I think we need to have more support for that. That's what I think. Thank you for your answer. I think there's a lot of, um, a lot that would argue 
whether it is Muslim or not Muslim. Um, it, I believe that whether it's Muslim or not Muslim, um, we should not judge. I, I think this goes back into being empathetic. Um, whether you want to resonate it to Black Lives Matter or the LGBTQ community or any kind of community that is not like yourself. Um, you should be, everyone should be empathetic um, towards any human being, whether you understand their situation or not, whether you think it's Muslim or not. Maybe in your world it's not Muslim and that's okay. That's fine and that's not wrong. Maybe you're right. But in my world, or in someone else's world, or in Faiza's world, maybe they think otherwise. So what is it to you? If you are being Muslim enough, and if you are being great with God, and you have that straight line connection, what is it to you? I think this to me is my problem with um, the lack of acceptance of it. Um, there's a lot of uh, reasons why it's not accepted. I don't want to go in deeper. But I just do think practicing empathy is something that is very crucial um, when it comes to many communities and to yourself. Yes, love what you just said. And I think if I can just kind of piggyback off of that or rather just add to it, um, I think that you don't want to dive deep, but I'm going to dive deep to say this simple thing. Okay. Um, Really what it comes down to, it comes a war of verses, right? That's what it ultimately comes down to. People wanting to argue verses here or there. At the end of the day, what God asks for in each Muslim, right, is to be a good person, to be a good person with yourself, to have a good connection with you and your inner self, because when we are connected to ourselves, we serve God, right? Because in serving ourselves, we help serve others. We bring about light and goodness. And we also, and in Surah Al-Ikhlas, it talks very clearly, even when Surah when it says, right? This can be an extension very much to this situation, which is about leave people to their thoughts and their beliefs. If they are not bringing harm to you, you bring no harm to them. If they are not bothering you, you don't bother them. Their beliefs are theirs, yours are yours. Leave them alone. You know, and I think that needs to extend to the greater Muslim world. Um, you know, and everybody can talk about the whole sodomy thing, but with all due respect, since there are straight Muslims in this world that take it from the ass, let's just shut up about the conversation, shall we? Because I'm so tired of hearing that. Well, it's a sodomy, it's a sodomy. Well, you know, Hussein, I could have sworn like you were doing some things you shouldn't have been doing either. So let's just. You know, so I'm sorry, but I like this Like, no, I mean that's a whole conversation in itself. And um, but yeah, it is. <laughs> I'm gonna have to say it. <laughs> it's like I. This is haram. Sir, why are you bent over? <laughs> no? Okay. Or when the Samir is saying, this is disgusting. Why are you walking like that, honey? Like, <laughs> yeah, it's a, whole, it's a long conversation, but yeah, empathy, empathy, <laughs> compassion. <laughs> yes, empathy. Let me tell you something. Here's the thing. Even in that, let's take the joke aside. Let's, if we want to entertain it as a joke, right? Even in that, okay, are we not connected in that? Can we not find some sort of connection? Let's just make <laughs> We have to find ways to connect with each other, to find ways that make us, that make us one another, to make us look at each other and see, 
see, oh, I can recognize that in that person. I, I can relate to that. I can connect with that in some way. Um, that's what we need to do. Find ways to connect. Stop judging. Stop putting people out and outcasting who's right, who's wrong. Let's just look at each other as human fucking beings. That's what right. we need to do. Um, yes. Um, just so we don't get any backlash on this, especially from this side of the world. Um, so I just to clarify, what um, I'm really stating here is whether LGBTQ community is right or wrong in the Muslim world, it could be wrong, it could be right. And let's just say it's wrong, completely wrong. Okay, let's just put it that way. What we're preaching here is Islam teaches you to mind your own business. Mm -hmm. Islam teaches you to focus on yourself. So whether it's right or wrong, you're doing wrong by getting into someone else's business and someone else's private business. This is what I'm trying to say. I'm not trying to make any kind of um, uh, feud or whatever, but this is clarity into if, if Islam teaches us peace and minding our own business and doing good, then this is what we should be practicing and doing. And yeah, that's that. Let me add on that. Yes. You're right. And I, I agree. And I think, girl, let me tell you something. People will always misconstrue what they want because this is a very taboo subject in the Muslim world. That's the truth. But here at the end, I'm with you. What it is, is is acceptance. Islam, I feel like in many ways, is one of the first faiths that really was about just mind your business, leave people to themselves. If you want to go to talk to somebody, do it privately where nobody can hear it. You're by yourself, nothing. And everything's about intention. You don't know what somebody's intention is. You're not got gay, straight, what does it matter? You don't know what someone's intentions are. You don't know what their connection to their faith is. You don't know what kind of person they are, the good they do. Why are you involving yourself in it? Because you want to make this an LGBTQ plus thing. No, we're Muslim. Period. Period. So you asked me earlier, what do I tell my, my LGBTQ plus uh, community uh, clients who are in the Muslim community? You're a Muslim. Period. Remember that always. Be in the faith because the faith, I, I believe at the core of it, there's so much love. There's so much love and acceptance. We as a people need to project that better because that's how we represent our faith well. You know what I mean? Correct. Yeah. So, so, um, there's a few questions uh, that I received through email, um, around five questions about relationships. Um, I'm just sorry, I'm just going through here. Okay, so the questions. We're gonna go through the questions, the relationship questions that we received by email. Um, first question, what are the aspects you'd need to know before diving into a relationship? Uh the questions you need to know, number one, is find out what this person's interests are and how compatible you two are. I think that many times people seek or like they look at somebody, oh, he's physically attractive, I just want to go, he has money, he has this, he has that. Look at a person's compatibility. The, what makes you two compatible will outlive your relationship and it will make you have a long-lasting one. So find the things that are compatible. Um, I think that when I talk about compatibility at the top of that, I also want to stress spiritually. That is a very important thing. How you two connect spiritually, whether Muslim or not, how do you two connect spiritually? Um, spiritual compatibility is very important. Intellectual compatibility is important. Um, these types of things. So compatibility has layers. You want to look for all of those, how you connect on every layer intellectually, as I said, spiritually, emotionally. Um, yeah. Uh, I'm gonna. I'm just gonna add to that question. Um, 
do you if 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 someone from the muslim community um wants to marry a non-muslim what is your take on that i'm actually i just i'm actually doing a podcast episode for that so people can get a little bit more than i can actually discuss here because otherwise we'd be on here for an hour more and it's really gonna be like girl shut the fuck up um but I will say that there, I ha I'm rooting for these types of relationships. I have a lot of clients in interfaith relationships who struggle a lot through the journey, um, whether married or not, married, dating, uh, engaged. And I think that it comes down to a deep understanding of what you're signing up for. Um, always keeping your identity, knowing who you are before you step into that relationship, um, not allowing uh, yourself to be altered because you want to please your partner you know you need to know who you are and be very, very stand very firmly on that our partners should change yeah our partners can change us as we grow in a relationship but you have to be the one to want to see that change in the direction of that you're comfortable with and i think oftentimes the reason interfaith relationships don't work is because people don't recognize themselves later on and i'll go a step further to say it's the women who don't recognize themselves later on guys are fine it's the women who tend to lose their identities so I think know yourself, know yourself before you get into that, uh, to a real, any type of relationship. But if you know you, you can make it work. Yeah. Um, next question. Sometimes, uh, wait, another, let's read the long one so we can get one with it. How can I accept that my bo boyfriend broke up with me multiple times because of, or different cultural backgrounds? I'm a 23 year old Turkish girl He's a 25-year-old Arab guy. I really loved him, still do, um, but he always pushes me away. Um, he always, my Turkish parents fully accepted him. His his parents haven't. Um, they've been together for 1.5 years, and he broke up with me again because of this reason. I can't understand how he could throw away our relationship because of a national background. He only sees the differences. I see the acceptance. So, I'm doesn't think that I'm worthy enough for him to fight for our relationship. He doesn't think I'm worthy enough. Would love your advice. These types of situations, unfortunately, are very common. And I will say, just let the fucker go. In the nicest way, that's the hard truth. Because here's the sad truth, you know, the sad reality. Or I can actually even extend it to the hard truth of these types of situations. Um, you know, I'm sure you've heard it, the saying that like Arab guys, no matter how many times they date out, they're always gonna go back to uh, a girl, an Arab with Mary within their culture, right? This is unfortunately, in many ways, this is very true when the guy, when the guy is worried more about his family's opinions on who he marries and, and not, um, more than he cares about himself. If you notice early on that this person is not going to talk to their family, you don't even want to let it to get to 1.5 years. You don't want it to get let alone to even another month once he tells you that his family doesn't accept it. Because if you if he's adamant on that, he's not going to change his mind or fight his family on, on, on a reality he's putting out. And that's why he was so inconsistent. So for her wanting to understand why he's inconsistent, it's because he lives in that dream world of maybe it'll work, maybe it can't. Maybe I can get them to figure it out or... But it, it doesn't it doesn't really bring about any change. It usually ends like this. So the only thing is to heal, to heal, go through your emotions, uh, understand closure is the thing that you want to seek most. And I think in a moment like this, the closure you need is understanding you. This is someone who is going to he wants to he's a people pleaser. He's a yes man with his family. And that's not a testament to you or that doesn't make you worth fighting. He's not going to fight for himself. 
He's not fighting for himself to fight for you. So it's it's not you, it's him. And find somebody that will see the similarities that you so adamantly have, see and are beautiful. Find someone who connects with you like that rather than somebody who's gonna fight you the rest of your life, you know, about that kind of shit. And imagine getting into that family. Oh, pew. Oh my God. Can you imagine them like dealing with like the Arab mom always, oh, you don't know how to cook. It's like, ma'am, go home. It's, you know, I just, it wouldn't have worked. <laughs> it would have been a mess. So it's like, okay. <laughs> yeah, I think, I think definitely. I mean, she didn't ask for my advice, but I think she should definitely go. <laughs> All right for human beings to let go and um, especially I've seen this very much especially within our our communities because we don't even want to let go of our, our cultural thoughts or beliefs even letting go of that is very hard but it's I get it's hard letting go but sometimes letting go is the best thing to do I think sometimes love uh, we confuse love with um, attachment and maybe a bit of um, childhood trauma I could say so uh, I, in my belief, I feel like sometimes our partners, um, we end up filling that void with our partner um, and, and we confuse it with love and love is not supposed to be that. Love is not supposed to hurt. Love is not supposed to be demeaning, disrespectful, um, to devalue you, nothing like that. And we tend to learn that because of what we're conditioned to believe by our upbringing. Yeah, it's sad. But once you can break that cycle, you can find better love. So next question, I have been facing my demons and childhood traumas. My traumas are revolved around my perception of men being negative due to situations that happened to me growing up. But I faced them, confronted them and accepted them. I am currently trying to move forward, but I'm still struggling as my perception at times moves back and forth between the past perception and the new. Do you have any advice for my forward-facing journey as I met someone and I don't know how to move forth. Well, I, I think that if you are, if you are going to purge your past, you have to purge your past. If your past still is so heavy in your present that it makes you fear even getting into a relationship, then you haven't fully flushed that past because you're allowing that fear to dictate your present situation and your decision. So I think that you how you do it is eliminate the fear. Try your very best to eliminate the fear, the fear that you're going to, that this guy's going to be another piece of shit and he's probably going to break your heart. And he's probably going to do this and that. You have to believe that you, your growth was enough to show you that, um, to look for better things, look out for better signs. Um, we just said this, when you see the signs early on, that's when you should probably leave, right? If he tells you something early and you see the, the moments, oh God, that's my, the fuck boiler is going off real big. Well, chances are you should probably let him go. Um, I think that don't excuse the inexcusable. So eliminate the fear and then go into the relationship with not excusing the inexcusable. If you know something's wrong, you have grown enough to know and recognize something is not wrong. Something doesn't make you feel good. Something doesn't make you feel empowered. So therefore I should probably leave that situation. Um, fear is what will get you afraid to either get into a relationship or ever leave a relationship. So you have to eliminate the fear and have some hope. Have some hope that you've woken up enough that you can look out for the differences between a man and a little boy, you know? So mainly trusting in your growth, trusting in yourself. Absolutely. Another question. Why am I never 
satisfied, always looking for better, and judgmental towards my partners? Mm, very good question. Uh, that that is one of those moments. If we were on a, would be well. Let's go back. I'd want to know so much about where this evolves. You know, I think that even in the current climate, people were talking about, um, and that this is so true that racism is not, you know, not something you're born with. It's something you're taught. And I think that we have to understand that thoughts go into that as well. All the thoughts and the feelings we feel and the actions we speak on are things that we've been conditioned to believe. We've been taught these things. So. What is making you feel that way? What has your past relationships looked like? What has your life been like? Have you seen your parents fight a lot? Have they? Are your parents even together? Um, are you feel? Are you feeling like unresolved residual shit from past breakups? What is it? This comes from someplace. And if you know that you are not in a place to be in a relationship, you probably should just not be in a relationship and be single and work on your fucking self because you. It's for your benefit. Not just so, oh, well, so I can get into a relationship. It's so that you can get into a healthy relationship. That's what the working on yourself is for. The detachment so that you can get into a healthy relationship. So I would say work on you. Take some time to look back, to ask yourself what you're feeling and why. This doesn't just come out of nowhere. And the amount of times I have to tell people, well, I don't know why I'm feeling this way. It just came out of no, no. It's from someplace, something, something sparked this. Something made you have like that, like residual shit pop up, made you put up the barriers. What is it? You have to understand that and be willing to get the answers so you can know where, what navigation to lead to. That's where you start. Do you think that for you to eliminate these things or to realize these things, um, it's healthy to get in a relationship and when these things come up to address them within your relationship or do you believe that if you're having such issues, you shouldn't be in a relationship? I fucking love this question because um, this is something that I think is so important to discuss. And I think that that, that leads to the level of toxicity within ourselves. Um, this is a moment where you have to look at you. If you feel like you are getting into a relationship and you're monitoring where this person's going, what they're doing, how they're acting, this, and you find yourself losing touch with you, then you're probably not ready for a relationship and you need to take some time to be single. But if you're getting into one and naturally your guard might be up and you find yourself maybe not sharing too much, not opening up too much just yet, I don't really see a problem with that because I actually think that women should date that way. I think that you need to be an onion and you need to peel away in layers. You shouldn't give too much too soon because you just never know what a person's intentions are. And some people are really good at hiding their monsters and um, you don't know. So you might be sharing with someone who's going to use that to their advantage or against you or whatever, but you don't share too much too soon. Take time to open up, trust your judgment as a person earns it. You know, let a person earn your trust, your time, your, your body, your energy, everything. They have to earn it. Don't just give anything like that away at all. You know, value that. Yeah. Uh, two more questions and then we have one here in the chat. Sometimes I feel my boyfriend is ill-intentioned, can't be trusted, or has a hidden agenda. But, whoa, but I worry that I'm projecting my trust issues onto our relationship. Is there any advice? I love that she's looking internally. I love that. I love that she has eliminated the pride and because this is exactly what I do with clients. That, that is the ideal situation where somebody's willing to like remove the barrier and say, I don't know if it's me. That's important to humble yourself, to look at yourself because we're not a perfect, you know, but I do think that 
you need to balance that. There's a fine line between self-blame and putting everything on yourself so you don't have to look at your partner versus really self-reflecting. So I think that at a moment like this, I would tell you or her to ask yourself what, what it is about you. What, what, what would you be feeling? For example, if somebody says, I'm feeling this way, I'd say, well, what is it exactly? Well, I really don't trust my partner because I've been cheated on many times. So sometimes I do often check his phone or ask him for his phone or what he's doing. Well, then you realize it's a problem internally, right? Is your partner making you feel this way? Are they doing anything, not answering your calls, making you feel like you have to work for their attention? Those types of things, I'd say, let that partner go. What the fuck is that? Goodbye. You know, because here's the thing. we You shouldn't have to overwork for someone. Let work together. You more, you know, um, women invest emotionally deeply, sometimes rather quickly. And we sometimes can't, control that because this is how naturally we're made but we have to choose who we share it with so it's not used against us um or you don't find yourself bitter and jaded from the experience of just getting into a relationship just for the sake of being in one and then finding yourself into a pattern of shitty relationships so i do think that it's about ask yourself what you're feeling what are you feeling and why oh i'm feeling this way probably because my past all right then you need to work on that but if it's that he is being passive aggressive mind fucking you, um, posting things in order to thirst trap people and not respecting or valuing your relationship. Honey, let him go. Oh my God. Oh, like it's just save your energy, save your time, save your soul, save, you know, save yourself the pounds or just, just save yourself, you know, <laughs> <laughs> just, just get out. <laughs> get out now. So, uh, last question from the emails. Oh shit. Okay, there. Um, my partner and I don't share the same. I think it's this, it's what we answered, kind of. Uh, my partner and I don't share the same religious views, but we love each other and respect one another. I'm just afraid that this will affect us on the long run. What do you think? Um, I'm I'm good. Yes. I'm glad you're thinking this because that's important. We talked about looking at being aware of the reality of what you're signing up for. I think interfaith relationships present an issue with um, most, more than likely in the 12 years I've been a relationship advisor, what I've seen more often than not is the woman lose her identity, look in the mirror a few years later uh, and not recognize who she sees looking back because she has lost. Um, she, yes, you're spiritual um, and that's good. And you guys have a spiritual connection. You want to make sure that you're thinking about children. What's going to happen when you have kids? Do you want your kids to be raised Muslim? Do you want your kids to be raised uh, according to his faith? Is he Christian? Is he Jewish? Are you going to have little Jusslums, little Krishlums? What are you going to have hanging around the house? You need to know what are you what are you going to have your children identify with? And I think that it's not about assigning something to your kids, but rather children come into this world unknown. And do you know how many kids I speak to today who have identity crisis because they come from interfaith relationships and nothing was asserted for them because they just grew up in a house where it was fighting about this. Your faith is this, your faith is that. Nobody likes you, you guys are monsters. You're it's, so you've got to think about these things, not to say that that's going to be the, the future of this particular relationship, or anyone for that matter, but more so it's evaluated. A ask yourself, what, where do you guys want to see yourselves? When you get, if you get married, how do you want to get married? Are you going to find an interfaith sheikh? Because yeah, you can go to California and do that, but at the end of the day, your, fa your family's not going to be there. Are you going to be okay with that? 
Are you going to be okay that your family might not want to be involved? Are you okay that he's going to become your everything and your family might ostracize you? Um, you have to think about these things. It's a sad, hard truth, but the only way to ever ask yourself if it can work is by looking at what you need to make it work. So you got to look at yourself and ask the questions that are going to build your future together. If, if whoever was asking that, just hypothetically speaking, was from the LGBTQ community, would you have advised them the same thing? Uh, no, it's very different because you're facing two different battles as well. But not right? concerning faith, concerning um, the topic of family and and all that. The topic of, well, it's it's a different, the way it's even presented is very different. So let's say somebody in the LGBTQ, what I've often had happen is they meet somebody, but they're not looking for necessarily for marriage at this point. They're looking for a relationship. So it depends on what you're looking for. Um, I haven't had many LGBTQ plus clients go towards even marriage yet because they're still struggling with the identity crisis. So I, it's a very different struggle. There are very different layers to each journey. I think that what the commonality in the two is, is the search for identity, to search to be true to yourself and to claim who you love no matter what. Absolutely. That's the common ground they have. Love who you love, because if you love who you love, you love who you love. However, in an interfaith relationship, the difference is that these are two people that are like identified. I want to get married. I want to move on. They're not yet still trying to figure themselves out. And that's on the unfortunate situation my LGBTQ clients in the Muslim community are in. This I need to figure out myself and get a, like my family's acceptance. When it comes to two people identifying they want to get married, that's a very different story at that point. I've had many people get on the phone like, all right, well, next week I'm going to the sheikh and we're going to do this and, you know, it's going to be fine and my family's not going to be involved, but we'll tell them later. It's like, wait, whoa, hold on a second there. Think for a moment. And um, and they do. They stop and take a moment, let, give it a few months, and then they realize later on they get into an argument and their fates are thrown at each other as ammunition against one another. So. Um, no, what I say is as a very much, it, it, I say this directly to interfaith couples because it's directly for interfaith couples. You have to think about this layer because this is a common problem within these types of relationships. Okay, got you. Rowan Hamoud, what do you like and hate the most about being a relationship advisor? So what do you like the most, hate the most? No hate. Uh, the um, Disliked the amount of time it took out of my life in the sense that I used to do sessions uh, five to six, sometimes seven, the whole, I'd go to work every single day um, because the, the just the, there were so many more people who wanted to talk. So I found myself in wanting to meet demand. That became difficult. I love every part of my job. I have no hate in it at all. I am blessed to say I don't even call it a job. I hate saying it is a job, but it is, you know, just so people know my job is a relationship advisor, but it's not a job to me. It is a passion. Uh, I love doing what I do. I love meeting new people. I love hearing stories. I love understanding I'm not alone in this world, finding ways to tell others they're not alone, having actual stories and people to relate stories to so people know that they're, again, not in this world by themselves, not thinking alone. Um, so I love that about my job. I love every part of my job. And we love every part of you. <laughs> I love you too. <laughs> I love I'm glad that like we got into some deep shit here. I appreciate. It. Thank you for, thank you for your time and for doing this. I want you. I want to let you know, Faiza, that just like Linda Shami here saying, I went through a very hard breakup, and I used to watch Faiza's videos all the time. She helped me with my healing journey so much. So what I want to add to Linda here is that 
your vulnerability and your comedy and your your advice and you being putting yourself out there uh, it it is a healing process for you but i want you to also know that you are healing um so many people on the other side including myself including linda we we watch you and we resonate and we know that we're not alone uh in our pain in our struggles in our culture in our religion um in everything everything that we go through um what you're putting out there is letting us know that we are all human especially as a woman out there as a muslim arab woman out there um i really applaud you and so many people who are watching applaud you too so i really want you to know that we love you over here and i really thank you for being part of this journey with us that made me emotional thank you thank you for being there thank you for allowing me to show people that you can be fucking weird and be yourself in the yeah. world so thank you thank you thank you faiza sending you love. so much so much love